Amen. Awesome. Well, if you would, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12 this morning, and I have a quick story I want to tell you. There was a man by the name of George Mueller. He was born in, I believe, 1810 in the the country of Prussia (coughs) in Europe. And by his mom died when he was very young. By the age of 14, he was in jail for stealing tax, like federal money. Not really sure how a 14-year-old managed to do that, but must have had a criminal mastermind on our hands at 14. And he gets arrested. And he gets out about a year later, and he is going, he goes to a prayer meeting. He has no clue of who his, his dad was actually a minister, but he rejected it entirely. didn't want nothing to do with it. Goes to a prayer meeting, and he encounters the love and power of God at this prayer meeting and gets saved. Well, not long after that, as a young man, 15, 16 years old, he gets a vision to have orphanages in England. Now, he lives in Prussia, but he has a burden on his life to have orphanages in the country of England. But it's particularly noted that when he, when he had the vision to do this, he had two shillings in his pocket, a couple of, couple of pennies. But he was so convicted and so convinced by the vision God had given him and the calling on his life that he went to prayer. And it says that he never once asked for money. Never let anybody know of his needs. Never let anybody know what his vision was. But he went and prayed. And, hi- and history says that in the course of his life, he prayed in $2.6 million in the 1800s, y'all. $2.6 million in the 1800s, with which he founded five orphanages that cared for 10,000 children, also opening 117 Christian schools in poverty-stricken cities where kids were not getting education, and over 120,000 children received education because of what one man had with a vision and two shillings. Why? Because he believed that God could do the impossible. He believed in the vision that God had given him. He believed in the promise that God had put in front of him. It's 2024. Everybody is launching into the new year. Everybody has goals. Everybody joined the gym. I don't know if you're going to stay in it, but you joined it at least. Amen to that. And everybody gets in it, and it's going to be a great time. And all these goals are being set. But how many of you know that at the end of this year, you'll look back and you'll be like, yeah, I didn't hit that one. I didn't hit this one. I could have done better here. But how much more willing would you be to set a goal if you knew for a fact you were going to accomplish it? Of course, all of us would do that. That would be foolish if we wouldn't do that. Well, I'm going to let you know something, that the God that we serve has a plan and purpose for your life, and that plan and purpose is guaranteed to come to pass. It's guaranteed to come. When we're invested, when we're walking with him, it is guaranteed to come to pass. So how would we live knowing that? How should we live knowing that? The next few weeks, we're going to be going through a series called Take the Land. And it's going to be from the story of Abraham for the first two weeks and then Joshua for the second two weeks. And we're going to look at how Abraham is given a promise and how it ends up coming to pass. But it didn't happen on its own. And that each of us have land we're supposed to take for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. So pray real quick. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your presence and your word. <coughs> I pray that you'd strengthen my lungs. They're not cooperating this morning. So that you'd allow me to preach this message the way you want it done. That in my own opinion of theology. And all of you come out today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation and bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. 
And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. One more time. Now the Lord said, said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. <coughs> just so you know, Abram is a man who's minding his own business. Have you ever just been minding your own business? I hope so. If not, you should try it. But, you thought that's funny, babe? <laughs> just, it's, it's a good thing to do, mind your own business. But Abram is just minding his own business. And then literally, God shows up in Abram's life and is like, hey, leave your home, your family, your country, to a land that I'm going to show you. I'm going to make you a great nation. Everybody who blesses you is going to be blessed and curses you is going to be cursed. You're going to be a great nation, and I'm going to bless the whole world through you. And Abram's like, all right. He had never heard of this before. There's no church there's no God that he had known of because the last person God really had spoken through was Noah. So up to this point, there's no, he's not, there's no scroll, there's no temple, there's no worship, nothing. <coughs> God comes down and says, what's going to happen? And Abram has a choice, believe it or not. But the important part of this is God says, I'm going to make you a nation. And Abram doesn't even have a son. He's 75 years old, he has no children, his wife is barren, and yet God is saying, I'm going to make you a nation. I'm actually going to make you a nation. Now, I don't know about you, but that seems, making me a nation, and I have four children, making me a nation still seems pretty far-fetched, right? Like, my mom has a whole bunch of grandkids, right? And, like, still, us becoming a nation is a pretty wild concept. Yet God is telling him, you're going to become a nation. He doesn't have any kids. But God has a plan and a purpose. I'm here to tell you this morning that just like God had a plan for Abram, God has a plan and purpose for your life. And that plan and purpose for your life comes with promise. It comes with this is something God is going to do. He is going to do it. But a lot of times he gives it to us like he gave it to Abram where I'm going to do this. And you're like, I don't know how you're going to do it. That's the whole point. But this morning, we're going to look at the fact that even though God gives these promises, they don't just come on their own. They come with some other stuff. And the first thing we see that the promise comes with <coughs> is his, or his plan. I, should, I use them interchangeably here. But his plan has a cost. Put up verse 1 for me. His plan has a cost. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. God literally tells Abram, I want you to leave the land where you have known. I want you to leave your hometown. I want you to leave your family's hometown. I want you to leave where everybody you have ever known, your whole world lives. I want you to pack up and leave it. You got to realize people live longer at this time. They live hundreds of years long. And so what's happening is people have been living in the same area for hundreds of years. So literally you can tell your son that's where your great-great-grandfather got married and your great-grandfather is probably still at the next tent over because he's still alive. And you can talk about all the family memories in the same area. Y'all, we live in the south. Some of us don't want to leave Araby to drive to Miro because we don't like to leave our area. 
Look, I live in Violet, and some of my closest friends live in Araby. And sometimes we want to hang out, but not that bad. <laughs> One night, I think it was me, Mike, John, we're going to go to Gerald's, and we called Raph to come to Gerald's. And he said, y'all going to go to Gerald's in Araby? I said, no, we're going to go to Gerald's in Chalmette. And Raph's like, I'll catch you tomorrow. Like my man said, 10, 10 minutes, it just ain't, it ain't worth it. 10 minutes, I'm just not feeling a 10-minute commute for the friendship tonight, you know. Just not feeling it. Sometimes, like, I want to get together. I'm like, no, y'all come get together here. But come to get together there. Come on now. But we don't want to leave our little world. And y'all know if you were here pre-Katrina, you know how big of a deal it was when somebody moved out the parish. Like, you were at the parish, you done lost your mind and Jesus at the same time. You definitely never heard from God if you left the parish. And if you went to Mandeville or Covington, you were probably in sin. That's the opinion of a lot of people back then, right? Now it's a little different because everybody's kind of spread out. But the whole point is we understand what it's like to live in a close-knit community. Right now, me, my, my parents, my grandmother, and my brothers are all within 30 minutes of each other. That's a pretty big deal. We come to church together every Sunday. These people here, when it says get out of your country but from your family... In your father's house, they all lived in the same house, in the same tent, next door to each other. <coughs> Generations of the same family would go do laundry together. They would go hunting together. They would literally, their lives coexisted. And Abram is being told to leave all of it behind. Why? Because his plan has a cost. Not only that, I'm going to wait on that for a second. His plan has a cost. There's been this thinking, this line of thinking that has gotten into the church, into Christianity. And I'm not really sure where it comes from other than just the desire for ease in our society. That the plan of God for my life will not hurt. The plan of God for my life is, is always going to be something I want to do or I enjoy doing, or I will, I think is a, a, like a great thing. <coughs> for example, I remember I've done life groups for a long time. I remember one year we're doing a life group before my pastor. And the guy says, hey, look, Pastor Chris, I'm really enjoying group, but I can't keep coming on Wednesday night group or whatever it was because my kids got ball practice every Wednesday. I'm like, well, where's practice? <coughs> it was at Versailles. And I'm like, well, man, we're meeting around the corner for Versailles. You know, just like dropping off or come. No, I got to be there for practice. And I'm like, last week you told me that this is the first time in your life that you've read the Bible consistently, you're praying consistently, your marriage is doing better, and you're not falling into sin temptations you used to. And you think it's directly connected to you being involved in group. That was what he actually told me. Then the very next week he can't keep coming to go to practice. And I said, buddy, we're not talking about a game. Talk about a practice. Oh, but man, I, I just, I got I to gotta show my son I support him. I'm going to get to that in a minute. I got to be there for him. No, there's a cost. And see, what I think people misunderstand is that I want to be used by God, but I don't want to pay anything. I want to be used by God, but I don't want to have to give up anything. Or <clears throat> they think the sacrifice is only for those who are in ministry. Newsflash, we are all in ministry. And what I find interesting is that, like, people don't think about a cost when they call this during dinner. 
They're not thinking about the cost. But if it's time to come to a prayer meeting at 6 a.m., oh, I can't pay that cost. I can't pay that one. No, there is a calling and purpose and plan by the creator of heaven and earth that he has laid out for your life that he wants you to walk in that will give him more glory than you could ever possibly imagine in and of yourself. And he wants to walk through it with you, but it will come with a cost. Many writers believe the reason that Abram had to leave, other than the, the, the true salvation plan, but in the moment, the reason Abram had to leave is because Abram was surrounded by his family who were all involved in idol worship. They were worshiping false gods. And so Abram had to be separated from a culture of idol worship in order to be able to be true to the one relationship that really matters, which is Jesus. And so what we see is that Abram had to leave behind relationships. He had to leave behind home. He had to leave behind everything he had ever known to walk in the purpose of God. Now listen, I'm walking in the purpose that God has for my life. I haven't had to leave home. Right, like I'm still in my hometown. I'm not saying that that's always the case. But there is always a cost. <coughs> I love what I do. I love that I am trusted to be the person who gets the phone calls. I love that I was trusted to be the person to go to Metairie the other night for six hours and do ministry. Is it tiring? Sure, but I'm so thankful that God picked me and allows me to do ministry for him. But it doesn't mean that I didn't miss bedtime with my kids Thursday night. There's a cost that comes with the plan of God for your life. But walking in that plan is why we have oxygen in our bodies. It's why our heart is pumping. It's why our brain is making everything work. It's because you're created on purpose, with a purpose, to magnify and glorify the one who saved you from your sin. So his plan always has a cost. The second one is his plan always requires his power. Always. Look at verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. <coughs> Do me a favor. Look at that verse of scripture. And tell me where Abram does anything. I'll help you out. He doesn't. I, this is God speaking. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. God is asking Abram to be obedient. That's all he's asking him to do. When he's being obedient, God's like, I will do the rest. Newsflash, reality check, let's get refocused. If what we believe the plan of God has for our life, what we believe it is, can be done in our own strength with our own giftings, it's not his plan. It won't be. See, Abram just wanted to have a son. I just want a kid. Y'all, I just wanted the pastor to Tabernacle Shelmet at 4030 Paris Road in a building that didn't have an attraction for water. That's all I wanted. That's it. I wanted to do what we did this morning in worship all the time and just reach the, the, the nation from that little building that's been there for a long time. I grew up in it, skinned my knees in it. 
snuck around with my mama in it. Did, I, I wanted to be there because that's what I knew. That was, that's what I wanted to do. Why did God have to take me out of that? Because my gifting was enough to keep church going in that building. But what God wants is more than what Chris can do in and of himself. What God wants is more than us collectively can do in and of ourselves. If not, it's not his plan. His plan always requires his power, which means there's always going to be a cost because the cost of his plan is the line that causes you to step over into what needs his power. There's this line that will come to you. I've heard me say that faith doesn't even start till knowledge ends. And so you could figure out, I'm going to do this, this, this. You can walk up, all right, all right, and then we get to this line where it's like, I don't know what's next. I don't know how to keep going. I know how to preach, Lord. I know how to study the Bible. I know how to lead worship. I know how to pray. But I do not know how to lead three churches. I do not know how to handle lawsuits, insurance claims, building projects. I don't know how to do it. Why did you make me do that? Why do I have to lose time with my family? Why do I have to not deer hunt as much? Huh? Why is this the case that I have to do all these things? Because God was trying to call me out of my place of comfort into my place of purpose. We've got to realize that when he's calling us into our place of purpose, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be challenges. But oh my goodness, is it fun. His plan always has a cost. His plan always requires his power. I want to put up, I don't think I sent this, you may have it. Put up Hebrews 11, 8 and 9 in the NLT. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to, to leave home and go to another land. That God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. I'm a, I want to keep going. Abram is called and he leaves. And when he leaves, he leaves by faith. And when he gets there, he lives by faith. Because he don't know nobody. He don't speak the language. He understands nothing. He gets there and he lives there by faith in a tent as a foreigner. But watch this next sentence. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. When you... As the mom and dad, as the father and the mother, as the priest of your home, as the leaders of your home. When you say, I'm going to live a life that has a cost. I'm going to live a life that requires God's power. I take the step of faith. What you're doing is you are setting the standard for those who come after you. Isaac was Abraham's son. Jacob was Abraham's grandson. When Isaac lived in faith, he set the standard. And it says here, and so did Isaac and so did Jacob. I want my children to grow up and be successful, have a lot of money, have great marriages, do all the great things. But more than all of those things, I want to see my children a million years from now on the streets of gold worshiping Jesus. And so the best thing that I can do for my family is not work more, it's not save more, it's not do more trips. It's teach them what it means to live a life by faith. Because after I am gone, just like Isaac did and Jacob did, Addison will and Bethany will and Samuel will and Benjamin will and their children will and their children will. Why? Because the plan and purpose of God for my life is not just for me because just as it says here, they inherited the same promise. 
Your children will walk in the same promise that you walk in to a greater measure. But if we don't know how to walk in it, learn how to walk in it, and pay the price to walk in it, they'll have nothing to follow. So did Isaac and Jacob. Man, we live in a, in a time, and I think it's amazing that we're putting such an emphasis on family. But please don't put the emphasis on family above the emphasis on Jesus. Make the emphasis of your family the emphasis of Jesus. And I can promise you that you'll have the family you will have always wanted. Well, Pastor Chris, my kids ain't serving Jesus. Did you plant the seed? Yep. It'll come back. Why? Because don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Those who sow to the flesh reap from the spirit. Those who spirit reap from the spirit. So do not grow weary in well-doing. For when you, have, when you faint not, you'll reap a harvest. That son is coming home. That daughter's coming home. Why? Because he promised. Mama, grandma, I'm going to let you know. They might not come home to your house on Riverland or your house on Compagna or your house on whatever street you live on. But they're going to come home. Abraham was promised to become a great nation, yet he only met two of his grandchildren. He had Isaac and then Jacob and Esau. And then he dies when Jacob and Esau are about 15 years old. He never got to meet the rest. But he sits back in heaven right now. And every time a believer goes home and a new believer walks in, he gets to go, oh, there's another one of my descendants. Oh, there's another one of my descendants because he's the father of faith. His plan always requires his power. And the third one is his plan is always bigger than you realize. Look at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. For the record, still applies to Israel today. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Y'all, Abram was just trying to have a son, but God was trying to make a nation. Abram was just trying to have a son, but God was looking to make a nation. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Well, why? Because in Abram's bloodline, way down, would be born a man named Jesus. And that man would pay for the sins of humanity. All because hundreds of years before, thousands of years before, Abram said, okay, I'll leave. He was obedient. So... God has a plan, he has a purpose, his promises, they're massive for you, they're out there. But we got to get over the fact that they're going to come with a cost. They're going to require his power, and they're bigger than you can imagine. We have to accept that before we can move any further into this, is that God is calling you forward. He's calling you to take the land that he's laid out for you. But we get intimidated by the cost, we, we get scared because it needs his power, and we don't have vision enough to realize how big it could be. I've been praying lately for God to increase my vision, to increase my ability to see what he wants to do through me and through us. Let me see how, because it's ne I'm never seeing big enough. Because the God we serve can do immeasurably beyond all that we could ask or imagine. And so if I'm not at the end of my comprehension, I'm not seeing big enough. I want to ask you this question, though. If I called you, it is 1220. If I called you right now and said, 
Hey, Cliff. Rachel, just picking them because I saw them. Look, be at the airport for 7 p.m. We're going to the Bahamas. Everything's paid for. Room is paid for. Travel's paid for. Excursions are paid for. Food pays for. Gratuity's paid for. Everything is done. I just need you to be at the airport for 7. What would y'all do? Some of y'all lying. You know how I know y'all lying? Because some of y'all be like, well, wait, what, what hotel are we staying in? What's the ratings on the hotel? What's the stars on the hotel? What, what's the food like? Is, uh, what's the safety rating of the city we're going to in the Bahamas? What flight line are we taking? What's my seat? Am I in the window? Am I on the aisle? Am I in the middle? Do I have first class, second class, American, Delta, Spirit? Can't go. Like, you know, what, 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 what are we doing here? What, 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 I, need, I need details. I need to know what's going on. I need, I need to know what's happening here. Why? Pastor Chris, you can't just tell me that you're taking me somewhere without telling me how I'm going to get there, when I'm going to get there. You can't tell me that. I need to know. Some of y'all, Jacob Crow's like, I'll go now. I'll buy a toothbrush and clothes when these start feeling dirty. Like, I'm good. We'll just go for it. But see, if I offered you this trip, <coughs> you'd probably go home. Some of you that could, bless your heart. you start packing. And you'd set up who's going to feed the dog. Maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. Good luck, Sparky. See you in a week. The neighbors got you. Who cares? You'd figure out school for the kids. You'd figure out work, whatever. Boom, we're going. And you'd be at, you'd be at, you'd be, you'd beat me to the airport. You'd have all your bags ready. Might even have sunscreen lines under your eyes already. You would just be fired up, ready to go. Why? Because you trust me. Because you don't think that Pastor Chris would call you and give you a guarantee that he couldn't back up. Yet why is it when somebody whose integrity has never failed, never faltered, and never underperformed offers us to do things exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine according to his power at work in us, we step back and say, God, I can't do that because I'm going to miss a day of work. God, I can't do that because I don't know what the plan's going to look like. Why is it that we could trust me with a trip to the Bahamas, but we can't trust the creator of heaven and earth with the plan and purpose for our lives? When me, they sell shorts in the Bahamas. What you want me to do, God? Whew. You sure? Lord, give me grace. Here we go. You want to know why we're so riddled with anxiety? It's because we're bound by the need for control. That's why. We are bound by the need for control. And there's one thing you can't have when walking in the purpose and plan of God for your life. Control. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust thee. How I've proved thee over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more.
Can you see 400 people in this room worshiping? Three people. Can you see 400 people in this room worshiping? Can you see your wayward, lost, drug, club-infested daughter, son in this room worshiping? Can you see your parents worshiping? Can you see your alcoholic dad worshiping? Can you see your cancer, uh, right now, cancer-filled dad, mom, daughter, son, cousin, neighbor in here free and whole and worshiping? Can you see people coming up to the front and putting heroin kits on the stage because they're done? Throwing pills on the stage because I can see it. Why? Because I've seen it before, number one. But I know what his word says. And his word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So if I get people out there bound in here, there's liberty in the room. Why? Because I trust him. If you can see it, what are you doing about it? There's going to be a cost. If we want to see a move of God in our city, there's going to be a cost. You know what that cost is? Monday night prayer. You know what that cost is? Getting a life group every week, tab group every week. You know what that cost is? Volunteering to help the youth. Volunteering to do something. Getting involved in what we're doing as a ministry. Why? Because it's a cost. But see, the more of us that are doing it, the more we can provide an atmosphere that's distraction free so somebody can come in here and hear the gospel. You've heard me say this a million times. I'm not really sure why I'm doing this right now, but I'm just kind of going with it. But the reason kids' ministry is so important is because when that mama, a single mama, walks in with three babies under five, and she don't even get to take a shower by herself, comes in here, she needs to trust the people we have in kids' church to leave her babies, her whole world that she's working three jobs for. She needs to be able to trust what we do so she can sit in here to encounter the grace of God. The reason why we got to have ushers and men who look like they can take care of themselves and protect other people is because when that daddy walks in and he drops off his three babies in nursery or that papa comes in and he brings his family and he sits down, he wants to know that somebody else in here cares as much as he does. <clears throat> There's a cost. There's a cost. Last night, I was minding my own business just like Abraham. I got home from losing a game of Catan last night under circum, circumspect nature. But, and I get home last night, and I'm, I read through the message. I was really awake, and I'm usually, I've been getting real tired. I'm getting older, I guess, I don't know. It was like 11 o'clock, and I was like ready to roll. And I found myself needing to pray. And so last night, I was going to go take my shower and go to bed. And as I get myself up for the shower, the host was like, no, I need you to pray. No, I need you to pray. And I'm like, well, God, my whole house is asleep. So last night for about 45 minutes to an hour, I was just walking South Lake, praying in the Holy Ghost. Why? I don't know. I would have rather been in my bed. Absolutely. Chris's personal preference would have been to be asleep. But for some reason, I was up walking. I didn't mind the cold. It was nice. 44 degrees. Maybe that's why he's wanted me to soak it up. But that's a cost. I'm going to say these next two statements with love. Number one, how many of you in here would be willing to obey the Lord if he said to do that? 
And number two, how many of you have even been able to hear him? Because that's what it costs. But I want him to move. Not just in my life. I want him to move in yours. And maybe last night I was up interceding. I'm just going to say this because the whole, Jesus. Maybe last night he had me praying for 45 minutes in the Holy Ghost because your son or daughter was out doing something stupid, but he couldn't get you out of bed. I believe it's Isaiah said, I looked for a man to stand in the gap and I found no one. No, Lord, you found me. I'll do it. Because his plan and his purpose for my life is worth it. It's worth the cost. It's worth the awkwardness and the scary nature of being in an area that can only happen with his power. And I know it's bigger than anything I could ever be. But I'm going for it. I'm going to take the land. As Pastor Carlos said last week about a fast, I'm not calling a church fast this year. I didn't feel like I was supposed to. If you want to fast, fast. What I am going to tell you to do is figure out a way to turn it up. Turn up your devotion life. Turn up your prayer life. Turn up your word life. If you need help with that, please come see one of the leaders. Come see one of us. Be at the church tomorrow for 630. I don't know what's going to happen just yet, but I know the Holy Ghost is going to be there. And that's what matters. But there's a cost. His plan requires more than just you. It has to have his power. And it's bigger than you can realize. Would you bow your heads this morning? Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word today. Thank you for your presence. I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you've called us to do a great work. Father, I thank you right now that you've set us apart for such a time as this. I thank you that you've placed us here to do great things for you. I thank you, God, that you've called us to live a life that has a cost. I thank you that you've called us to live a life that has to have your power. I thank you that you've called us to live a life and have a life that's greater than we can imagine. If you're here this morning, you could say, Pastor Chris, I want to take the land. I want to walk in the purpose that God has for my life. I just want you to stand where you are. Now, as you're standing, just keep your eyes closed and lift your hands. I want to pray over you, and we're going to dismiss this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask in Jesus' name that you would deposit a fresh deposit of faith in the heart of every person standing right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would place within us a boldness to pay the cost, whatever it may be. That you would cause us to be okay with being uncomfortable of being in a position that has to have your power. I pray that you'd give us the ability to realize that what you want to do in us is so much greater than we could imagine. I pray for fresh faith. I pray for fresh passion. I pray for fresh encounters with your goodness and your presence. I pray, God, that you would call us into a deeper place of intimacy with you. And I pray that you would connect us with our purpose in one way or another where we know for a fact that we're walking for the very reason you've put us on the planet. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for every person here this morning. I ask that you'd bring us back next week full of expectation, full of faith, 
ready to see you do something incredible. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We praise you. Bless everybody as they leave today. Keep them safe. In Jesus' name, amen.